You know, you have a lot of interesting stuff around here. I beg your pardon? It says on this album, permanent needles may cause permanent damage. <laughs> Do you know how old that, this LP is? That is a very old... In fact, if you will turn over that LP, you will notice there are some cuts that are scratched out and says, you know, do not Can't play. be played anymore. Right. It's just too scratchy. Oh, wow. I was looking for a copy of the American Bandstand theme song, and we still have the original Les Elgar recording. I have one in a frame that isn't played anymore, but this, this is an actively working copy. How did the... Uh, the theme song for American Bandstand come to be. Les and Larry, uh, you know, the tail end of the big band era, that's what the music was in those days, Roy. We didn't have any rock and roll, and they developed the theme song. Prior to that, it was uh, Artie Shaw's Gramercy 5 and High Society. Oh, yeah, great recording. You know it? Oh, of course. You're the only one in the world. <laughs> it only proves that the man is not as young as he purports to be. <laughs> Unfortunately, I remember Artie Shaw and the Gramercy 5. Oh. Indeed. Yeah. By the way, uh, er I hope everybody realizes, uh, because I've been announcing it for a week ever since we got back from Europe, the Dick Clark would drop by on Friday to talk about the history of American Bandstand. I want to know why it's taking you so long to put it together. Nobody ever asked about it before, Roy. I never thought that, uh, thought never occurred to me to write that. And the Ballantine book people sent a lady and said, you know, I grew up with American Bandstand, as so many people say. Has anybody ever written its history? I said, no, why would you? It's a very frivolous, light subject to begin with. I said, no, that's the way we want to treat it, with a lot of pictures and fun memories. It's an album. It isn't a, it isn't a serious work of literature. And, that's, and it's turned out beautifully. I did not write it, so I can say wonderful things about it. You know, <laughs> I helped the man, Michael Shore, who wrote it. But, but you know what's interesting? You, you start and you go through the history of the American Bandstand. You go back to the very beginning... Uh, you know, even before Dick Clark became associated with American Bandstand, and you realize that somebody was thinking about television videos long before uh, the 1980s. There, I have, uh, I think I've mentioned this to you before, I think we have the largest popular music filmed and tape archive in the world. It's over 20,000 pieces of individual performances, and maybe even more. It's all computerized, and I don't look at that stuff. It's so boring. <laughs> I hate computers, or I will get into that subject later on. Our whole lives are being yeah. controlled now. Uh, in any case, it's a huge collection of memorabilia. And back in those files, we found some Snader recordings. And you will see them, by the way, when we do our 33 and a third celebration uh, December 1st. The precursor of videos, Peggy Lee singing Manana. I think that's the one we're using on the Bandstand Celebration Show. But we had George Shearing and Nat Cole and a lot of people. Yeah. Did you say that uh, December? That's going to be December first. December first is Sunday night. Yeah. All right. Please mark this down. Oh, I'll announce it as we get closer to December the first because this this will be the, the the monumental. This will be the celebration. Well, it's the television version of the book you're talking about. Your whole life is going to flash before your eyes because there isn't. There's hardly anybody who's grown up in this country that one time or another hasn't been touched either by. American Bandstand itself or the music that was involved in it. So even if you weren't one of the show's fans, you'll remember the songs. Do you have any idea where the television executive is today who once said back there some time ago, who would ever want to sit in front of a television set and watch kids dance? <laughs> Whatever happened to him? He has eaten those words on many <laughs> occasions, Roy. You know, that was the thing. It was a 
it was odd because it seemed so obvious to those of us who were involved in the show. It was a huge success. It got 65% of the audience for four years before it ever went on a network. Mm. And we kept saying, it doesn't matter whether, quite honestly, whether it's Philadelphia, Chicago, Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Buffalo, Columbus. Couldn't have been Phoenix, Arizona. Couldn't have been L.A. Couldn't have been New York. But any fairly normal eastern city could have originated that show. It happened to be, thank goodness, in Philadelphia. And everybody identified. Was there a difficulty in getting it on the network? Because it was a very successful local show. It was like pulling teeth, but I wasn't old enough and smart enough to know that I, I... I have it framed in my office. I, you know, I said I got the theme. For, I never threw anything away, Roy. <laughs> I got the, the telegram back from the fellow who originally said who'd want to watch to saying he'd seen the kinescope, which is an old-fashioned recording, a video recording of the show, and saying, uh, it, it, in effect, said, don't call, a, call us, we'll call you. And I thought he liked it. Uh, I was... I left a vacation. I flew back to New York. I ran to his office. I said, terrific. When do we go on the air? And he said, well, I, uh, uh. I said, just give us five weeks on the air. We'll show you what we can do. It's like a bad movie. You know, let's have a show in the barn. You know, I didn't know that you couldn't prove a television show in five weeks. But for some strange reason, they did it. And within five weeks, it was a hit. Mm. There's a lot of memories, and for those of you who would like to share in them, it's all been put into a marvelous book. This is what I guess they call an oversized paperback or a trade paperback or something yeah, like it, that. Yeah, it's a, it's a big book with tons of pictures oh, yeah. in it. In fact, the pictures uh, bring back a lot of memories. Yeah. Make a, it, it's You know what it is. It's Method and the Madness. I'm sure they're figuring, here we are in November, it's going to make a nice Christmas gift. I was autographing books yesterday, and you know half the people yeah. said, write Merry Christmas in it. Yeah. So I know what this is destined <laughs> to be. So give it to somebody to, to whom you don't know to give what. <laughs> hey, how many podiums? I'm looking at one of the early bandstand podiums. Do you know how many you've gone through? One, two, maybe only two, maybe three. That's well, all. The original one is in the Smithsonian Institution. Uh, three years ago, upon the occasion of the show's 30th birthday, we yeah. gave it over along with the original backdrop. It's that page you're looking at yeah. with the, what appears to be an old record shop in the background. It's a piece of canvas that we had. Uh, we found it in Philadelphia in a guy's garage. Did, did I read or did you tell me once that you still use the same microphone or a reasonable facsimile of? That you hit it. it. They don't make those microphones anymore, <laughs> Roy. But it, it became sort of an extension of my right hand. It's a very peculiar-looking, odd-looking microphone. So what they do is they keep the shell, and every year, quietly, they go and put oh. new guts into it, and they don't tell me and say, well, here it is, yeah. old fellow. <laughs> They've even had a copy made of it, so I don't know the original from the copy, but I feel real good with it. You will find it at your local bookstore, too. It's a published The by microphone? No, no, no. no. <laughs> hey, you might. Anyway, Ballantine Books publishes the... The History of American Bandstand from the 50s to the 80s. It's 125 on WGN in Chicago. Dick Clark is here telling us about the history of American Bandstand. You can read it. Oh, did I say something wrong? You just said something that's wrong. Oh. Off the air. Oh, what's that? We were talking about your computer. Oh, yeah, we were doing... a, For our friends who are listening in and can't watch us do this, the show-off was running off all of this good stuff on the <laughs> screen over there, making a convert out of me. I'm from the old school, you know, but I, I, know. I'm being dragged into the 20th century. But they have now duplicated oh, the no. human voice. Oh, no, I just said to Dick, I said, you know, the one nice thing about our computer is it cannot duplicate the human voice. I'm stretching to dredge up the story of a guy who wanted a famous voice either in his video or his film, yeah. couldn't hire the man, so he had his stage manager say the lines, and 
then the computer memorized the sound, we'll say, of Sir Gilgood yeah. or, or, or whoever, Lawrence Olivier or something, and made it come out sounding like Oh, scary stuff. Wish you hadn't told me that. Anyway, <coughs> Bob, you <laughs> Bob, Bob, get us out of this. If will you, you want to sound like Roy, <laughs> uh, we'll show you how. Hi, Mr. Clark. I'm Hi. Mr. Leonard. I'd like to thank you first, Mr. Clark, for all the years I've been watching you, and I grew up with you. Ah, uh, thank you very much. That's the, I, I never get to never tire of hearing somebody say that. Good. And I was wondering, uh, I remember when I was young, and you were... Uh, when I was young, too, please. <laughs> don't, don't stop there, Bob. Bob was remembering when we were all When young. I was young and you were old, yes. I was wondering, when you were back in Philadelphia, there was, uh, I think, with your original group, your original dancers, if yeah. you keep in contact with any of them. Very much so. I see him frequently. As a matter of fact, I've seen him uh, twice in the last couple of days because of the book tour and so forth, and a few of them have joined us for the... 33 and a third television celebration. When we do the 35th, God willing, we're going to go back to Philadelphia and get them all really? together. Oh, great. I, I hear good news and bad news. I got a note from uh, somebody the other day said one of my kids had passed away, one yeah. of my television kids. Uh, but, you know, I, I try to keep up on the good news, too. Yeah. But you do. Every once in a while, you hear from somebody or you talk to somebody. Oh, that's good news. Okay, Bob. Could I ask one more question? There's sure. one in yeah. particular I was interested in. I think her name was Polly. Polly? Does that ring a bell? I'm very sorry, Bob, it doesn't. Can you give me any more hint than that? Oh, uh, I was in love with her. That's all I can <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well. Well, it's gone, Bob. It's gone. It's over. <laughs> okay, guy. Thank you. Hey, Chris, you're Hi. on the radio. Hi, how you doing? Um, Dick Clark? Yes, um, Chris. Your show started about four months after I was born. You keep reminding me of how old I am. <laughs> Think of how he feels about it. I just put my we head on the desk here. We all get older. <laughs> Thank I'm you. I'm on Oprah this morning. I have a question for yes. you. Yes. You said something about um, the kids uh, being dressed up, the old kids. Yeah. The older kids. Mm -hmm. um, do they, like nowadays, like, do they come in with their own clothes or do they... Well, as soon as I finish this conversation with Roy, Chris, uh, my You're pulling wife... pulling the tie off. Yeah, no, I don't have the tie on. I took it off already when I do radio. It's gone. We're going to jump on an airplane. We'll go out to California, and we will do six American bandstands this weekend. It's unusual because of Thanksgiving and Christmas. We have to get ahead. And the kids who will join us on those two days will bring uh, several pairs of uh, clothing or outfits or whatever, uh, three on Saturday and three on Sunday. So they'll change clothes every time, but we don't tell them what to wear. Oh, not anymore. No, only in the old days. Well, the whole oh, did you in the old days? The whole scam in the old days, Roy, was very simple. With it, Their parents were terrified. It was awful music. They hated it. So we tried to get the kids to look passable. Mm -hmm. So we made the guys wear coats and ties. And I was laughing about it today, saying, I, that's the only time you ever see me on television. It's the only time I ever wear a tie. I hate a tie. Not too fond of computers, either. <laughs> Chris, thanks for the call. Okay, thank you. Well, this is really You've a got treat. that gleam in your eye. I can tell. Well, I grew up on American Bandstand, Oh, too. there we go again. Um, Another one, Roy. No, hey, America grew up with American Bandstand. Come My cousin on. and I, we used to love to watch it together and watch a couple of uh, couples in particular. Who? I can't remember oh, their names. No. Don't say Polly again because it just broke a man's heart. I couldn't tell her where to find her. No, Darlene keeps coming to mind. No, but that's Arlene and Kenny. Ar yeah. That was Arlene Kenny. Sullivan and Kenny Rossi. Where are they today? Arlene is in Chicago as we speak. She is down the street somewhere. No, she yeah. flew in this morning. She's going back tomorrow. Oh. We had a little reunion here with some of the old regulars. And uh, Kenny is in Philadelphia. Unfortunately, his father passed away, passed away recently. And he's take care of family business. Isn't mm. that something? Well, I do have one question sure. if we have time. Yeah. Well, the adage that goes, everything changes, nothing changes. 
Uh, the music has changed, but have yeah. the kids really changed that much over the years? Yeah, the, the disillusioning thing is there aren't any children anymore. Years and years ago, you had three or four uh, divisions of the population. You had little kids and little older kids. Then you had teenagers, subteens and teens and young adults. Now you go from kids and little kids to young adults. You mm. lost that whole mid part of the thing. You blame that on MTV or what? It's Roy's fault. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Clark. <laughs> uh, no, you know, I know what he's talking about because uh, our youngest of our six kids, our youngest just hit 19. He is 19 going on 45. Can you remember when you were 19, how innocent oh, you were, how you're, uninformed exactly, you were? Exactly, exactly. It is. It's video, it's radio, it's television, it's everything we read and see and yeah. hear about. It's life in general, and we're all that way. Yeah. But we have lost a generation of children. That's mm. kind of too bad. But what about the music? What do you think it's doing? And where you think it's going. It's a reflection of what's going on in our lives today, Kathy, and it'll always be that. It's always been that. Somebody, some, uh, some very nasty critic the other day, was uh, they were talking about the content of music today, which is a issue blown far out of proportion, and then reflecting on why was the music so stupid in the early days. Is it because life was stupid in the early days. I mean, we didn't know anything. We lived in a naive world. It was the Eisenhower period of, oh, we're all the good guys and it's going to be terrific. You listen to those lyrics and they were pablum. They were stupid, wonderful lyrics. That's why the 50s were so great. Nothing ever happened. Who's the, who was the hate Mr. Eisenhower? He didn't ever do anything that you couldn't hate him for. And that's why Fonzie and the rest of his friends in Happy Days yeah. belong to all of us. That's that Silly thing about that period of time. It belongs to all the generations because it wasn't real. What a shame that they can't have the same escape now, since we need it even more. Oh, we have it. <laughs> it's called TV's bloopers and practical <laughs> jokes. <laughs> I mean, there, if ever, it was a redeeming program that would go down in history is one of, of the golden age of television. Uh, yes, it is. Yeah, there are funny bits getting, on that show. I'm getting my shots back at people, Roy, who Good. say to me, how can you be involved in all of this frivolous garbage that you always do? And I said, because... I deal in the frivolous. My assignment in life, for the most part, has been to take people away from the god-awful headaches we have every day. And I don't find that wrong. It'd be like criticizing Charles Schultz. The only thing you can say about Charles Schultz is peanuts didn't look as good today as it did yesterday. <laughs> or you know? Well, no, that's fast. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up, Kathy. Interesting answer. Thank you. Well, thank you. 21 minutes before 2 o'clock. This little lady has been waiting here for quite a while to talk to Dick Clark. Marie, thank you for your patience. Well, that's okay. I enjoy your program. Thank hi, you. Marie. I, hi, Dick. I would like to know how many times did uh, Elvis appear on American Bandstand? Never in the flesh, Marie. Ah. The only thing that Colonel Parker would ever let him do would be call us when he was in Germany. Because uh, mm. uh, you want to know the answer why? I suppose that's the next question. We only paid $155 for an appearance. That was the scale, the union scale. And Colonel Parker didn't think that was enough for some strange reason. <laughs> I wonder why. In fact, I was just thinking, uh, the only two artists that I can ever remember not seeing live on American Bandstand are Elvis and the Beatles. Oh, there have been some. Oh, I'm sure there are others, but the two biggies that I think. My, the other fun one was the only man who ever turned us down once he got there. 
it, who didn't know what the pay was was the country star Porter Wagoner. Really? He said, what are you talking about, $155? I, you know, I paid that much to get my shoes shined. You know? <laughs> and he left. And I saw him oh, about a year ago, and I said, Porter, the, the scale is up now to about maybe $320. <laughs> would, would you think it could come on? You know? Oh. <laughs> That's great. Okay, Marie. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Bye-bye. I, I think I have asked you this over the years. And I know other there people... There isn't anything you haven't asked yeah. me <laughs> No, but other people have asked you, and you've always ducked the question. I'm going to try once more. Maybe you can't come up with a direct answer. But you've never publicly pinpointed a, a favorite or somebody that you just... Somebody that you always wanted on the show. There must, people must have affected you one way or the other. There must have been somebody that you really wanted to look forward to having on the show every year or two yeah the, you've softened it a little bit so i don't i can the reason i always duck that question is when you deal we've had over ten thousand musical yeah. performances on the show it would be impolite to say john jones is my all-time favorite because all the other people you deal with say well didn't you like me yeah there's a man i miss a lot who is probably one of the great unacclaimed artists of all time. He happened to be a very close personal friend of mine. When he had adversity in his personal life, he called me and vice versa. So I grew to love him as a man, but he was a singer, a dancer, a musician, a director, an actor, a writer, and he died prematurely, and it was a terrible loss to lose Bobby Darren. Oh, yeah. While the record was playing, I was telling Dick about the only time that I met Bobby Darren, and I was working in Boston. They had a little cocktail party for him. And I'd heard stories about Bobby Darren, uh, that he was kind of cocky and self-assured. Kind of. <laughs> you're, you're speaking kindly of the deceased. He was the cockiest, boldest, brashest, just... Oh, oh uh, he was a brassy guy. Yes, but he was likable. But he was that way when he was a failure. That's why you could take it. Oh, really? Well, after he became a, a hit, a big yeah. success, people say he changed. They said, no, he didn't change. He was always that way. And I loved him. He was he was a terrific human being. Uh, really. Uh, we, we hate to lose anybody uh, at an early age, but I think I know why Dick said what he did about Bobby Darren. And if you didn't have a chance to meet him, you might not know what we're talking about. Mm. But if he just knew. In fact, I think I remember in a conversation, he was telling me uh, that he was going to do something. I forget what it was, either a movie or something. And you just knew he was going to do it. I mean, if he said he was. He had a, another wonderful ability that maybe you can do it. I don't know. I saw him walk into a room once, and they said, Bobby, why don't you meet Charlotte and Harriet and Sam and Joe and Charlie and the rest? And we sat for an hour, had dinner. He said, I'm sorry, I've got to go to uh, uh, do the show. Thank you. Charlotte, Sam, Charlotte. And they went around the table and named everybody by name that he'd met an hour before. Wow. No, I cannot do that. <laughs> uh, we got some more memories, and I know some of you want to talk to Dick. And I do want to tell you more about the history of American Bandstand. In fact, there is one section that I don't believe has ever appeared in print before, and it's a, a pages of charts of the songs performed on American Bandstand oh, yeah. when they were performed, and then where the record wound up on the charts. That yeah. is amazing. Who does a lot of research? This went into is the this young thing. man named Michael Shore, who is of the younger generation, came in with great love and devotion, put this together, dug up the stories Gee. of the regulars, got the photographs, and these crazy charts. Mm. I mean, it's mind-boggling. Uh, you talk about trivia. We can have more fun with trivia on this thing. <laughs> oh, brother. Dick Clark is here today. We're talking about the history of American Bandstand, and we got some more people who want to chat with you on the telephone here for a minute, uh, people who have maybe had some question that they've always wanted to ask Dick Clark. And Barbara, it's your turn. Well, I am a child of the 50s, and I tell you, it's a pleasure to talk to you, by, uh, Dick, and, and I just 
I mean, listening to you talk, it's like a flashback to my youth. And it's Come on, Barbara, you're <laughs> blubbering here now. <laughs> Straighten up. Uh, is, these I are not well, sentimental days now. Uh, well, I saw Bobby Darren at the uh, Copa for the senior prom. Oh, it's, yeah. It's just, I mean, it's just great. You've done so much, and the, I think the worst thing is I look in the mirror, I'm getting old, but you don't change. <laughs> I look in my mirror, and I see a lot more. <laughs> well, well, but I'll tell you. Look, you don't look different to us. I'll right. tell you one thing, Barbara. The embarrassing thing about welcoming this guy to this show is I happen to know how old he is, and I know how old I am. <laughs> he's too. No, but he's two years older than I am and looks about 20 years younger, but... Uh, yeah, it's great. What I want to know is, you've done so much recently, too. You just haven't faded into the woodwork. What What's on your agenda for the future? Oh, the, you know, you mentioned something that uh, I had talked to Roy about before, Copacabana, where you went for your prom. Mm. We've just done a television film with Barry Manilow based on the song Copacabana. Now you got to keep doing things you haven't done before, is my philosophy, Barbara. And there's never been a musical made for television. This is like a Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, 1940s musical, only we've done it in color, wow. with all brand new music that Barry wrote. And it's based on that, that, that song. And it, uh, that's, right. that's coming up in December, three days after the bandstand show. So, well, so yeah, I think you'll enjoy December 1st, we've got the 33 and a 3rd... Bandstand Extravaganza, show. three right. hours, and, and then, then two nights later, we have Barry's show. Great. All right. Barbara, I'm glad you called. Oh, thanks a lot. Thank one, you. One more question. Bill, you're on the air. Hi, good morning. Or uh, afternoon, Roy. Hi, Dick. Uh, Hi, Bill. Speaking of having a time of your life, I want to thank you for, uh, you can, this, I'm reminiscing a little bit, but back in 1974, end of December, at the Doville in Miami Beach, across the street from Pumpernickel's, you were there with one of your rock and roll revivals with Chubby Checker. Yeah, yeah. And I, at the time of my life, uh, Chubby invited me up on the stage with seven other people, and we did the limbo, <laughs> and it was you know, great. I saw him earlier this week in New York. Uh, we did a show together there, and this is the great thing about my life, where I keep bumping into people that I've grown and loved all the years. Uh, he pulled out a picture, he gave it to me, he said, you're not going to know this guy, and I said, who is it? Good-looking kid. This is my 16-year-old son. And I said, <laughs> I knew you when you weren't 16 even. <laughs> That's something. Thank Can you. Can I have Bill. a rock and roll revival in Chicago? Oh, we'll, we'll do it again. We've done a couple of them here. That was the New Year's Eve show that you right. were in attendance at. And we do that, of course, every year. All these things, uh, hopefully, God willing, keep coming up. You know, it's just... you got to have one out at the Horizon in Chicago. We'll do the it. The place would be jammed. Okay, you'll, Bill. You'll be class. there, Bill. Bye-bye. All right. Listen, did I read in somebody's column, I forget whether it was in Inc. or in Cup's column, that uh, you, one of our favorite guys in Chicago is Tom Dreesen. Oh, we set him loose on the streets. Yeah, what's go what I didn't, I can't remember what it was. Well, we were exactly. talking a moment ago about TV's bloopers yeah. and practical jokes. One of the things we do in New York, we did it in L.A., New Orleans, a couple of other places. We go out on the street and we set Tom out here to interrogate Chicagoans on... Is there another great street like State Street? What is a toddling town? Oh, yeah. And, you know, all the lyrics of that song. He's come up with a real funny premise, and you'll see it in a couple of weeks on bloopers. Good. Do you ever take a day off? Do you, sure. Do you ever... I mean, when you start thinking of all the things that you're involved in, and in the few times that we've had a chance to meet, twice a year, three times a year, you're always involved in something. When you put aside uh, the memories of Bandstand, when you're not producing a television extravaganza... What do you do just to really relax? We do what you do. Uh, you met my wife, Carrie, earlier. We're going to have a heavy week coming up because we've been off on the road talking about the book. So next week we have a lot of television to do. Right after that, we're going to go on a vacation. We'll down sit under a palm tree somewhere in yeah. the Caribbean. We travel a great deal at least four times a year. Mm -hmm. And the rest of the time is, a, again, 
It's very exciting. Garden, read, cook. <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, by the way, is Bandstand seen overseas? Uh, it uh, only on Armed Forces television, oh. and it's seen in Canada as it flies over the border. Yeah. I would just be curious how something like this might be approached in the, the Orient. Have you been to Tokyo down to the area where no. they do all the 50s dances? I haven't been to the Far East. F funny thing, they don't know how to do it. they got the bobby socks and the crinoline skirts and the saddle shoes and all, and they're bopping around on the street on a weekend. It's a big, and they got the great big radios really? that they dance to, but they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Dick Clark, it is so good to see you again. I, one of the things that we've never had a chance to chat about before, and that is if you ever had the ability to pick uh, a winner, to pick a star, to... I've never been able to do this. You know how you get umpteen records a week mm. and you put them on the record player and you hear something that you like and then you find out later that it's never going to become popular. <laughs> or you listen to a record and you say, boy, that's a piece of trash and you throw it away and you pick up Billboard two months later and it's number one. Did you along the way develop that ear that said, hey, this is going to do it? Uh, doesn't sound very humble. No, no, but my my luck's been better than yours, Roy. Yeah, I I've got pretty good, good. set of ears. Even to this day, I can occasionally tell you what'll be a hit record, but with no great consistency. Right. Are you going to test me or no, no, you, no, Are you no, leading no, me into no, something? You going to play something? No, you going to play me no. your latest record? What's <laughs> no, up here? Oh, no, no, no. I was just curious because I suppose if you do it long enough and if you are associated with it long enough, something's got to rub off. You know, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a little while ago, you mentioned with great fondness, uh, Bobby Darren. There are so many people who appeared first on American Bandstand. Yeah. I know one of our little bits of trivia that we love to play, and I can't think of, you'll remember the names, and that was the name that Simon and Garfunkel first used. Yes, I remember. It was because wasn't that on the Bandstand show? Did they, they appeared appear? on Thanksgiving Day, in 1957? You want the name now, I suppose. Yeah, of course. Tom and Jerry. Thank you. <laughs> Did they get that from the old cartoon or something? I don't know. Maybe it, was, maybe it was too ethnic and they had to go back to Simon and Garfunkel. Who knows? No, but it's true. That's one of those marvelous stories. Right, listen, uh, there's one other aspect of uh, the history of American Bandstand. Those are the pictures. I noticed there were a number of pictures that fans took off, like the TV screen. Yeah. Did they submit those to you? or Oh, you they used to send them by the carload. That's why this particular book is something I think will be of interest to people of a lot of different generations. Yeah. It's a little bitty piece of your life, and that's what the whole premise is about. If you think you're going to learn a lot from it, don't bother. <laughs> it's just frivolous and light and fun. And boy, for a man who's been able to have as many pleasant years as you have, being frivolous and light and fun, you're the envy of a lot of us, I'll tell you that. Thank you, Roy. It's nice to be with you again. Okay, we'll see you soon, and uh, we'll put down December the 1st for 33 and a 3rd. A couple of nights later, we'll watch... Uh, Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow. That's, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Dick Thank Clark you. on The Roy Leonard Show.